after life. There were questions that both of us raised. Some questions we have answers to. Some we will just have to wait and see. And so as I think back to that day, about two months later, he succumbed to cancer. And now he is in eternity. And so where he is is where we're heading. So I want you to think with me for a moment or two about where are you planning to spend eternity. Because whether you realize it or not, you are quickly moving toward eternity. In Luke 16, the veil is actually lifted for us, giving us opportunity to take a glance into the afterlife. Really one of the more limited passages that we have giving access to the unseen world. And so as we think for a moment or two about where we are planning to spend eternity, I want to call attention to this text. In Luke 16, Jesus gives a narration of two individuals who lived here on planet Earth. And the text says both of these men died. And both found themselves in eternity. So with that in mind, I want to begin by first and foremost talking about our existence in life. Now we understand we are here because of our entrance into the world via birth. Job said man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So we are here because of birth. As I think about our existence in life, I'm reminded of the fact that there is a contrast in life. As a matter of fact, in Luke 16, there is a stark contrast in the lives of the two individuals depicted. One man was wealthy. And I would imagine had everything that this life could offer. The comforts, the ease, the luxuries of life. He had the finer side of life. The other fella wasn't so fortunate in that respect. But rather the Bible depicts him as a beggar. A man that was destitute we would probably say homeless, had nothing, always looking for his next meal. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this man desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, which really says to me that when we look at life, there are blessings and burdens, aren't there? It seems like some folks are very blessed, and then there are some folks that are heavily burdened. The Bible tells us that the Lord makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. James said every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. We're blessed in so many, many ways. 
the rich man that is pictured here. The Bible says he was clothed in purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously every day. The footnote is he lived in luxury. Wouldn't you say that by the standards of the world, that those of us who live in America, that we live in luxury every day? I mean, wouldn't you say we're rich? The poorest of the poor in this country still wealthy by the standards of the world. So all the great blessings and all the favors that we enjoy in life. And then there are those, there are those in life who seem to be burdened more than others. Some seem as if they have that black cloud hanging over them. And Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And there are some folks, they have their share of troubles, they have had their share of troubles, and they will continue to have troubles in life. The rich man, life was good. And this guy had it all. He enjoyed life. The Bible talks about Lazarus, the beggar. Life wasn't so good for him. So there's a contrast in life, but then there are choices in life. As long as you live here on planet Earth, you have the ability, the opportunity to make choices in life. Sometimes we make good choices, sometimes not so good. Choices that will ultimately, ultimately determine where we spend eternity. Look at the lives of the rich man and Lazarus as depicted by Jesus. Their eternal destiny was a result of choices that they made. Where you spend eternity will be determined by the choices that you make in this life. There are choices that we make every day inconsequential to eternity. What we're going to eat, what time we go to bed, whether or not we're going to do this or that. But then there are decisions that we make that will have a profound bearing on where we spend eternity. You see, the choice is yours. There are some that are open, receptive to the teaching of the Lord. They're willing to submit their lives to Him, to give themselves to His service. They're more than willing to take up the cross and follow Him. I think about how privileged we are here today because we have had the opportunity to hear the gospel. There are people in our world today that have yet to hear the gospel of Christ. We have been extended an invitation of hope, haven't we? Do you remember Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. There are folks in our world today, they're looking for something better than what they have going on right now. And those of us who belong to the family of God, we have tapped into all those great blessings. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, the Christian life is the best life because it is the blessed life. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are wealthy. 
You made the decision to come to Christ because you understood, number one, you needed forgiveness. And number two, you wanted the benefits and the blessings of knowing that when time comes to a close here on planet Earth, heaven is your home. And so you've been receptive to the gospel. Jesus said, look, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. And here's the promise, I will give you rest. Rest from sin. Rest from discontentment, dissatisfaction. There are lots of people in our world today, they would love to have an abundant life, the good life. So thankfully, those of us who've heard the gospel, we came to believe that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, and that is the Son of God. And based on that faith, we obeyed the commands of our Lord. We repented of our sins, confessed his name before others, were immersed in water so that all of our sins could be washed away. And in light of that, we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Now there are some, for whatever reason, have chosen to neglect, as the Hebrew writer would say, so great a salvation. God's salvation is great. But there are a lot of folks that have simply said, it's not for me. Some have said, maybe later. Some have said, never. Jesus on one occasion in John chapter 5 told the Jews of his day, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. He said, these are they which testify of me. But then here's what he said. But you will not come to me that you might have life. You see, there are some people, they're not willing to come to Jesus. The invitation is come to Jesus, but they say, not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Do you remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus identified himself as the bread of life? And the Bible says, Based on what he said, those present said, this is a hard, difficult saying. Who can hear it? And John said from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Some people, having made the decision at some point in time to become a disciple of Jesus, sadly, make the decision to walk away, to leave the Lord. In effect, They've rejected him. They have, as Peter said, forsaken the right way. So, the choices that you make in this life will determine where you spend eternity. So right now, enjoy life. Enjoy your existence in this world. But then there's a second thing I would call attention to. First, our existence in life, but then secondly, our exit from this life. The buddy of mine that I was talking about earlier. I remember he and I were talking on one occasion and we were talking about 
some things in life. And he made a statement to me that I'll never forget. He said, all good things eventually come to an end. And the more I think about that, the more I think, you know what, he's on to something there. Because life, as good as it is, will eventually come to a close, won't it? At some point in time, whether we like it or not, our time will be up. And we'll make that journey into the next life. Let me just very quickly give you some facts. Facts about death. We don't like to think about death. We don't like to talk about death. We sure don't like to hear about death. But as the Hebrew writer said, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this cometh the judgment. Did you know that there is no escape? There is no escaping death. Think about that. You see, you entered this world and you will exit this world. And the corridor that's going to lead you from this life to the next life is death. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they have done everything and anything to evade death. The Hebrew writer talks about, or rather the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about the sting of of death. And sadly, all of us will one day feel the sting of death. I think about the efforts that many of us go to to stay young, feel young, look young. I mean, think about how much money is spent on cosmetics in our, in our world. Billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? Why? We want to look younger, feel younger. We want people to think that we are young, that fountain of youth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let me just very quickly call attention to something. Because as we think about the fact that there is no escaping death, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun, the light, the moon, the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. Solomon is now going to narrate for us the aging process. And what he's saying is this. What he's saying is, this is what you can expect. If you're young... Here's where you're headed. If you're older, this is where you are. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, as we grow older in life, what happens? We begin to shake, don't we? The strong men bow down. The body becomes stooped. The grinders cease because they are few. We lose our teeth. And those that look through the windows grow dim. We don't see as well as we used to. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, we don't hear as well as we once did. 
When one rises up at the sound of a bird, as we grow older in life, sometimes sleep becomes very difficult, doesn't it? I remember my grandmother saying she'd wake up at 2.33 in the morning, lie in bed and listen to the radio. And all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, when they are afraid of height, as you grow older in life, you're not nearly as daring as you once were. You don't have that fearless disposition and the tears in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, what happens to the hair? It becomes white, doesn't it? Somebody sent me an email this week and out of the blue said, you know what, your white hair looks good. I thought, I don't know who you're looking at, but it's not me. I guess that was a backhanded compliment. The grasshopper is a burden. We're not as strong as we used to be, are we? And desire fails. And then listen to what he says. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. That's where we're headed. That is as good a description of life as I know. Pinned by inspiration. And what God is saying to all of us is, look, you need to understand something. You have been made in his image and likeness. There's coming a day when your body will be placed in the cemetery, but that spirit, and God is the father of the spirit, according to the Hebrew writer, that spirit will return to the very God who gave it life. So, no escaping death, no evading death, and please listen, no exclusions. Economically, look at Luke 16, the rich man and the beggar. No exceptions. Economically, racially, educationally, socially, politically, the bottom line is, guess what? We'll all die, won't we? It's a fact. So what about our fears as they relate to death? Why are we afraid of death? Why are you afraid of death? I think two reasons. Number one, we fear the unseen, the unknown, don't we? I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that maybe we haven't experienced, but others have. And so somebody can say, okay, Here's what it feels like. Here's what it tastes like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it sounds like. Well, you know what? I don't know anybody on this side of eternity that has been there and come back to tell about it, physically speaking. Do you? I have placed a lot of people in the grave, but I have yet to hear from one of them. So there is this fear of the unseen, as I mentioned a moment ago, as I sat and talked with my friend. 
And we talked about what it'll be like. Everything that we know about eternity and the unseen world is revealed where? In the scriptures. We have exactly what God wants us to know regarding eternity. And the Bible says the secret things belong to God. So God has seen fit to give us everything that we need to know about eternity. So there is the fear of the unseen. Let me give you another reason. There is the fear of the unprepared. You know why a lot of folks fear death? Because deep down in their heart of hearts, they know they're not prepared. They're not ready to meet God. There's a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, that ought to resonate with every person, whether young or old. The writer said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You know what he's saying there? The writer is saying, it is a thing fearful beyond belief to step out into eternity unprepared to meet God. That's it. When people are unprepared, they're not ready for eternity, are they? I mentioned the contrast in life. There is a contrast in death. And so, listen if you would to what is said. Verse 22, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades. Now, let me just pause there for a minute. One man prepared. One man woefully unprepared. One man apparently gave a lot of thought, forethought to eternity. The other, not so much. So let's very quickly turn our attention now to eternity after life. Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He talks about life, then death, and then eternity. And here it is. You're alive, you'll die, and then you'll be in eternity. So the application is here. So these two men die. One is saved and one is lost. When we die, we step out into what is called the Hadean realm, the unseen world. And every person who dies goes to one of two places in the Hadean realm. The beggar died, and the Bible says the angels bore his soul over to paradise or the bosom of Abraham. The rich man died, and he found himself in a place of torment. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it is identified as Tartarus. <coughs> Excuse me. It is the abode of the unrighteous. So these two men find themselves in completely different places. The Bible says in verse 23 that the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus 
that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember, in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Now I want you to think about something. If you have prepared for eternity, if you have obeyed the gospel and you're living a faithful life, when you die, you can echo the words of Paul when he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ, far better. You're going to a place of rest, as John said in Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. The angels will come and bear your spirit or soul into eternity. You'll go home to be with God. If, though, you've never obeyed the gospel, or you're unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you die, you'll go to a place of torment. A place called by Peter, Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S, the abode of the unrighteous. And there you will await the judgment to come. When Jesus comes, he will be seated upon the throne of his glory. The dead will be raised and we will stand before him. The living and the dead. As John said in Revelation chapter 20, I saw the dead, the small and great, standing before God. We'll all be there. And as Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall give an account of himself to God. So then we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So here we are. Out on the plains of eternity at the judgment. The Lord is on the throne. And the Lord will open his book. And Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judges him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. God's word will be opened and you will be judged according to the contents of this book. And how you've lived here will determine where you spend eternity. Another book will be opened, according to John, called the Book of Life. And only those whose names are in the Book of Life will have the hope of heaven. So when we stand before God, the Lord's going to say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. To those on the left hand, he's going to say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to think about something. When you die, your eternal destiny is forevermore sealed. No second chances. No coming back. No changing your state. No crossing over. Sealed forevermore. That's why it is imperative that you make the right choice about where you're going to spend eternity. Your home, automobile, stocks, bonds, money in the bank, all the things that you treasure here on earth, let me tell you what, they won't do you any good in the next life. So the things that we treasure today won't do us any good. So let me ask you, where are you planning to spend eternity?
Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not, not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There's a day coming when the redeemed of all ages will be with God forevermore. We'll be in a place that is described as incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away, and the Bible says it is reserved in heaven for you. Here's what you need to see. Only those who make reservations will be in heaven. You have to prepare. Now here's the flip side. If you die unprepared to meet God, if leaving this building today, you have an accident and you're not a Christian, you're headed straight to torment, a place called Tartarus. You're going to a place where there is no way I can adequately describe for you the horrors that will be faced. Suffering you just can't imagine. Heartache. The searing memory of all the opportunities that were spurned. Opportunities to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Opportunities to be faithful to his cause. And time and time and time again, the answer was no. And a million zillion years from now, those same thoughts will haunt you. Time is no more. So when it's all said and done, you step outside of this life into eternity and your family goes to the funeral home and buys your casket and brings your clothes to dress you in, calls the preacher to conduct your funeral, all of that is to take care of the physical remains. But your soul, it's in eternity. And it will remain there forevermore. So where are you planning to spend eternity? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to plead with you today. Come to Christ. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. The promise is I'll give you, I'll give you rest. You'll never regret becoming a Christian. Never, ever, ever. But if you don't become a child of God forevermore, you will regret. You just have no idea. On the day of Pentecost, Peter told those people exactly what to do to become a Christian. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's what you need to do. That's what you have to do if you want to be with the Lord forevermore. If you're here and you're not faithful to his cause, listen, please, very carefully. Haven't you been outside of Christ long enough? I mean, aren't you afraid of dying and losing your soul in hell forevermore? You know you don't have any hope. You know that if you were to die today, it's over. Why would you take that chance? Why not come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing?